Good afternoon, podcast listeners. This is Rob Plouffe. Welcome back to Mid-Michigan Bowling News, the podcast for bowlers in the greater Flint area and the state of Michigan. So, now, moving up in the world a little bit, bought myself a decent microphone. It's called a Meteor Mic, and uh, man, it sounds way better. Hopefully you guys notice the difference. So, um, this is podcast number four. I'm going to touch a little more on the history of bowling in the Flint area and how I got to where I am now. So, I really didn't get very serious about my bowling until about, I'll say, the 1983 time frame. This would have been the time that I was bowling at Bees Bowling and Loretta During was my coach. She kept pushing me to get better and bowl more. So, I joined the Travel League with uh, friends of mine. And in the Travel League, I believe the people running that Travel League, the main person was Linda Becklick. Linda asked me to assist with running the Travel League. Um, Wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into, but I was elected as the secretary of the league. What this uh, job was back in the 1980s was that I had to keep track of all of the statistics for the uh, Greater Flint Area Travel League, which meant collect all the sheets, take them home, get a book together, get everybody's name in there, keep track of all their scores, their average. And the thing that I really enjoyed doing was typing up the sheet every week. So it was my job to sit down at a typewriter, type in every team name, every person on every roster, their average, their handicap. It it was quite a job back in the 1980s, having to do it on an old typewriter. Um, I had taken a typing class in high school. My parents ended up buying me an electric typewriter, which made it a little bit easier, but I actually enjoyed that job. And um, it, it also got me a little more involved in the statistical part of bowling, which, uh, to me, turned out to be a really huge, huge part of the game. So I think I did the secretary duties in the travel league for a few years. It was definitely something that I enjoyed doing. And um, I do believe that my travel league team was myself, Bob Tubbs, Sean Spishek, and Sean James, all Kersley guys. And I think we bowled in that travel league in the 84, 85, 85, 86, 86, 87 seasons. It was in the 1986-87 season when Loretta During asked me to sign up for the City Mixed Doubles Tournament. And at that time, I believe we were bowling at Southland Lanes. And I told Loretta, I didn't know any girls who would bowl with me. I was kind of shy. She asked me who I thought was the cutest girl in the league. And I said, well, I thought Pam Moore was probably the cutest one. So she ran down and asked her to bowl with me. I was embarrassed. And uh, we ended up signing up to bowl. Well, we went on to bowl the City Mixed Doubles Tournament and ended up winning the City Mixed Doubles Tournament that year. The rest is history. We started dating, eventually married, and now have been married for almost 28 years. Okay, so back to 1983 time frame. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit, and I want to talk about the equipment change. Um, because back when I decided to become a little more serious about my bowling, I was using an AMF Amflight bowling ball that I think it was my dad's bowling ball. 
It was drilled uh, semi-fingertip. I had no idea how much a fit would matter, and I didn't think many people did. All I knew was that I could start to hook this ball a little bit, and if I could shoot my spares, I could average somewhere in the mid-170s, and I thought I was pretty good. In 1984, when I qualified to go to the Junior Nationals, I knew I wanted a new bowling ball, and I knew and I knew that they had had these new bowling balls out that came out that were urethane. People were starting to buy them like crazy. The first urethane bowling ball that came out was the Black Hammer, made by Fabball, and lots of people were getting them. That was in the early 80s. I remember telling my dad that I wanted one of these new bowling balls before going to Ohio for the national tournament in July. My dad told me, well, if you want a new bowling ball, if you dig a trench from my house out to my barn so I can install some electric, then I'll buy you a new bowling ball. So I went out and grabbed a shovel, grabbed a shovel and started digging that trench. I think I finished that trench in one day. And the ball I really wanted was one made by Fabball that was called the nail. The original nail was blue. It was supposed to be teamed with a hammer, but it was my first bowling ball that was actually drilled for me, the first expensive, I'll say high-tech bowling ball I ever had. That's the ball that I did really well with at Junior Nationals in Ohio in 1984. And it also was a hint to me that the equipment was changing drastically, and if I was going to compete, I was going to have to have decent equipment to compete. I believe it was in the 1984-1985 season that the bowling alleys were beginning to learn a little more about oiling the lanes and how to make the lanes a little easier so that bowlers could score more. So in the early 80s, if you could point the ball at the pocket, shoot your spares, you could average in the 170s. That started to change to if you could do that with a urethane bowling ball, you could average in the 180s. I remember seeing guys oiling the lanes with a spray can in the early 80s, but in the mid 80s, all the bowling alleys started to get these higher tech oiling machines and it showed because the scores began to go up. For me, for me personally, I started averaging in the 180s in 1985. I made the Flint Junior All-Star team in 1986 and in 1987. In 1987, I led the Flint Area Juniors and was captain of the All-Star team with a 186 average at the end of the season. This is when I decided I wanted to move out of the juniors and join the men's leagues. Even though I had a few years of eligibility left in the juniors, I wanted to move up and see how good I was. In the 1987-1988 season, that is the year that I believe the USBC, or at that time I think it was the ABC, told bowling centers that they were moving towards the short oil pattern. I believe it was supposed to be 24 foot. This drastically changed the game and scores in the greater Flint area, as we went from only a few people bowling perfect games per season to hundreds of people doing it. I think in probably the 1987-88 time frame, there were 50 or 60 people that shot a 300 game that season, and there hadn't been 50 or 60 people in the history of bowling in Flint that had done that before that year. On the junior bowling side of it, my best friends Bob Tubbs and Sean Spishak remained in the junior leagues. And in October of 1987, Bob Tubbs became the first junior bowler in the greater Flint area to ever bowl a 300 game, doing it at Nightingale Lanes. That was followed a month later by Todd Kelly doing it at Bees Bowling, and then Mark Ulrich did it at Southland Lanes in May of 1988. 
the 87-88 season, my first in the adult leagues, I averaged in the high 190s, and I was pushing 200, and I was learning more and more about the game, how to play the lanes, what and what the equipment did for you. My first year bowling in the men's leagues, I bowled on Friday nights in the Flint City League at Nightingale Lanes. If you knew anything at all about bowling in the greater Flint area, Friday nights at Nightingale was the place to be. Um, that was, in my mind, probably one of the greatest leagues to ever bowl in the city of Flint, ever. And uh, it was just an honor to be a member of that league. I remember uh, my team. I bowled with Jim Menzing, Eddie Lee, Don Benedict, and Bob Trent. Bob Trent was a, a guy from the Oxford area that came and bowled with us. Uh, Don Benedict, an older guy, always bowled with, us with a, a cigar in his mouth, um, which always baffled me. But he uh, always had a cigar in his mouth from the time he started to the time he finished bowling. But um, the reason I got on that league was Jim Menzing because uh, he was coaching me um, the year prior to me moving up. He talked me into bowling on Friday nights, and to me that was a dream come true. The Friday Night City League, I remember um, Jim telling me, look, when you come to bowl in this league, uh, you're going to be required to wear some dress pants. We're all going to wear the same shirts. This is this is a classic league. And uh, the guys in this league mean business. There's a lot of money here, and it's pretty serious, and it's exactly what I was looking for. Um, so my, my first year in that league was definitely a learning experience. Um, I definitely didn't make much money, and I also realized that I wasn't very good compared to some of these guys because there were the good teams back then, JP's Party Shop, Madden's Lounge, GLC Bowling Balls. There were some great bowlers in that league, Hall of Famers, left and right, and, uh, and I knew I needed to learn a lot. At that time, I was going to college. I was trying to finish up my associate's degree, trying to find a job. wasn't making a lot of money. But I knew I wanted to hang out at the bowling alley and I wanted to learn more about the game of bowling. And Friday nights at Nightingale, when you were done bowling on the City League, they also had some 9 o'clock leagues, but they had uh, jackpots. Guys would just uh, stay around and bowl jackpot, throw your money on the table, high score wins. And uh, I remember back in that time frame throwing my money on the table, knowing damn well I wasn't going to win anything. It was money that I was spending to learn more about the game and I knew I knew I wasn't going to compete with guys like Don Hargraves uh, Rick Muncy I remember bowling jackpots um, there was plenty of guys Chuck Haas lots of guys out there making money bowling jackpots and uh, and I was just trying to learn and sitting around watching and learning but um, I had a great time bowling on Friday nights Gal Lanes was an awesome place to hang out. They used to have a great restaurant upstairs at Nightingale Lanes. Used to go there on Friday nights for fish and chips before league, and you could hang out in the bar afterwards. Of course, I couldn't then because I wasn't old enough, but um, great place to hang out Friday nights at Nightingale Lanes. But um, 87, 88 time frame, I also knew I was missing my friends. Uh, guys like Sean Spishak and Bob Tubbs, John Roof, uh, those guys were not bowling with me. They were still in the junior league. So um, the following year, when they decided to move up, um, we formed a team on Friday nights and uh, 
continued to bowl in the Flint City League on Friday nights. But my bowling also expanded that following year. And I remember bowling on the Monday Night All-Star League at Nightingale Lanes. Um, I also, within that time frame, joined the Tuesday Night Major Classic League over at Easttown. Uh, Wednesday was probably the only night of the week that I didn't bowl. Thursday, I used to go out to Colonial Lanes and hang out with my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, because she was bowling on Thursday nights. And I would sub out there at Colonial on Thursday nights because uh, that was a great league out there on Thursday night at Colonial. I was bowling Friday nights at Nightingale. And then um, Saturdays, I would sub in a mixed doubles league, the Guys and Dolls mixed doubles league. And then uh, Sundays was, to me, was reserved to bowling tournaments because uh, they used to have a lot of 700 club tournaments and or some other tournaments around the state that I would go and participate in. Um, but Friday nights was it for me, man. That's where I really wanted to be. That was a great league. And 1987-88 uh, time frame, my team, I wish I could remember who our sponsor was at that time. Um, but we weren't by far not the best team in the league, and uh, we were not the worst either. We probably finished middle of the pack my first year in the men's league. Um, but in the 1988-89 time frame, that's when uh, my friends moved up, and um, we started to learn a little more about the game. We were trying to build a, a team that we could compete with, uh, guys like Don Hargraves on J.P.'s Party Shop and Madden's Lounge with Chuck Haas and uh, Larry Gothier and those guys. Um, not that we ever did, but uh, we did have some pretty good teams that gave those guys a run for their money once in a while. And um, we had some great times on the Friday night uh, Flint City League. I think at this time I'm going to pause here. We'll continue this uh, discussion more with some of the, uh, the leagues in the greater Flint area that I bowled in. And um, in the future here we're going to touch on the Hall of Fame and bowlers that are in the Hall of Fame from the Greater Flint area. Um, I was a little surprised when I did a little research here and found out that the Greater Flint Bowling Association's Hall of Fame did not begin until 1969. Um, it's fairly young if you think about that in Hall of Fame terms as far as bowling, the history of bowling in the Greater Flint area. And uh, a lot of the guys that were guys and girls that were elected into the Hall of Fame in the early 70s I did not know but as I started going through it and looking late 70s early 80s I started to know a lot of these people and uh, almost all these people that are going into the Hall of Fame nowadays I know so uh, it's weird to think about about that you know as you age and you're involved in this sport you uh, meet a lot of really great people in bowling and um, you can make a lot of connections you think about like hey if I need uh, somebody to paint my house Oh, I know a guy, he's a bowler that uh, sponsors a bowling team. He can paint. Uh, you, need a, you need a pipe fitter or a plumber. You know guys that do that. You know electricians. You know guys that bowl that own their own electric company, construction companies. You can make a lot of connections with people that you never never would even dream of unless you're involved in bowling. So um, it, it is, again, part of the reason why I'm actually doing podcasts now too, but why I got involved in bowling, it's, uh, to me, it just turned into a huge family. It's given me so much, and, uh, and I don't mind giving back to the sport of bowling. So, uh, future podcast here, we're going to touch on Hall of Fame, Greater Flint area, 
and a lot of the people that I've gotten to know um, through Bowling in the Greater Flint area. So thanks for listening to today. Hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, hoping it sounds much better with the new mic and uh, looking forward to, forward to adding to this discussion some more on uh, the history of bowling in the Greater Flint area. Enjoy. Have a great day. Today is Sunday, March 29th, 2020. Take care.